I had the good fortune to attend a few comedy shows in the past year. In a time of intense division, stress, and anxiety, going to a comedy show is a great way to escape. There was one thing, though, that I noticed during each of the shows, and I, I went to three or four. One comedian was a political comedian. Another person was Filipino comedian, very well known. And the last comedian was a white guy with a primarily black audience. So they were very different comedians, but they all brought up one joke that was kind of awkward and maybe not so funny. And it it kind of put our dirty laundry and by our I mean the city of Denver's dirty laundry out there into the world something that we acknowledge is happening but we don't necessarily know what to do or or how to frame a conversation around it or to talk about it they brought up that they'd never seen so many poor or homeless white people until they came to Denver they were noticing something that I've lived with for quite a long time, and I think that there is some insight into the issue of poverty policy and what I've learned and observed as a Black woman experiencing white poverty in a primarily white city that I think it's important for me to share. So I have some insights that I really do think are important to hear, and um, I really hedged on having this conversation. I've been wanting to do this episode for probably two or three years, probably, no, probably four years, like for a while. Um, but I was concerned because people don't want to hear the truth. <laughs> and I do think there's a delicacy that needs to be had whenever having conversations around poverty, power, and racial dynamics. But here's the thing. They, these people coming into town were noticing something that I've lived with for quite a long time. And I think that there is some insight, like I said, that I need to share, especially as I observe these changes to Denver as a black woman who's grown up here in a primarily white city. This insight, I do think, will also show you why I think Americans are completely unserious about tackling the issue of poverty because of how I see people reacting to the white poverty in my quote-unquote super liberal town. Before I get into this conversation, it's important to point out that there is a lot of money, a lot of money in the city of Denver and the state of Colorado. We have a pretty robust ecosystem of services available to people in the event that they need help and support when times are tough. Let's be clear, these are imperfect services. I would love to see the city eliminate a large part of our police budget and allocate that money towards serving the, the broader, uh, greater good, if you will. Around 2000, I started noticing that I was seeing more and more poor white people. Not necessarily the people who come to the state to hang out and live like this counterculture lifestyle, which is really a thing here. It's always been a thing. Those would be like the ski bums and back in the 1930s, like the hobos who would who would hop on and off the, the trains. There's always been a thing where people will come and float through the state. This has been different. And... With each passing year, I'm going to be honest, it's gotten worse. So I've decided it's finally time to talk about it. And I've thought about it quite a bit. So um, it's going to be interesting to hear what your feedback is. And uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts.
Welcome to Michelle is Money Hungry. I'm your host, Michelle Jackson, and I focus on holding financial conversations that lean into social equity, policy, and access with a splash of pop culture. My goal is to lead these conversations with empathy and help both my listeners and myself learn more about money along the way. I'm gearing up for my next season of content focused on the unexpected financial turning points in American women's lives. I'm still looking for brand partners to bring this project to life in the way that I'm hoping to. If you're interested in partnering with me, feel free to reach out to me via my email, michelleismoneyhungry at gmail.com, or you can DM me on Twitter because I'm very active there. And my handle is Mitch Loves Money, M-I-C-H Loves Money. If you would like to be a guest, just pay attention to my social media feeds for more information on how that will work. Do not reach out to me directly because I will miss your message or just get distracted. So just wait for me to post that I'm looking for guests. And that's coming very, very soon. conversation by saying that Denver has a poverty problem. By the way, if I sound stuffy, I have COVID as I record this, uh, but I have enough energy to record this. So that's why I'm stuffy. So I do apologize. Anyway, um, I want to describe what Denver has been like my whole life up until probably the last 20 years. Now, I grew up in both Denver and Boulder. They're very nice towns. And even though I'm having this conversation with you, I don't want you to leave with the idea that Denver is not a nice town. It is a very nice town. Um, but it definitely has problems that have become a very um, visible blight on American cities. I'm only speaking to my lived experience with Denver because I live here, but I've experienced these issues in other towns as I've traveled. And quite frankly, I've had uh, conversations with tourists here who are like, well, we've got the same issue. So this is a very American problem. I'm just talking about it from the lens of Denver and the fact that I grew up here. I'm going to be candid and say that the kind of visible poverty with encampments and things like that, that just really was difficult to find. It doesn't mean it didn't exist. It just, you didn't really see it. You definitely didn't really see the concentrated numbers of people uh, that were clearly or are clearly in distress. If you were downtown, you would just never really see like active drug use or um, it, it just it just was very benign <laughs> and very quaint and very um, peaceful for the most part. Um, and for the most part felt safe and looked safe if you were white. And I need that to be very clear. Um, for white people living here, Denver and in Colorado has traditionally been a very safe and uh, pleasant place to live. However, things have been changing for a while now. And uh, one of the things that has become visible to us is that we have encampments 
And the thing with the encampments is the encampments clearly don't have facilities, right? Like an encampment doesn't have trash services or um, waste management or, you know, it, it, it is it is an encampment and people who are a lot of them unwell are um, making homes in the best way that they can with the resources that they have. And it's gotten bad. It's it's something that you will see sometimes on trains. So I take a couple of different train lines. I'm not going to say which ones, but there are two in particular where you will always see an encampment encampments along certain parts of the line. The city of Denver has has focused on moving these encampments through what's called sweeps and part of the tension with the sweeps is these folks, this is their property. This, this is their home for lack of a better word. And they lose what they have, but at the same time, because two things can be true at the same time. Right. But at the same time, the encampments are highly problematic in terms of safety, in terms of, um, waste, trash, and so it's just, it's like one of those situations where I think people are trying to do better by people. And I have to say, it surprised me that it's taken this long for people to get as angry as they have. I've been talking about this issue for a while because I, I, I thought that the temperature was picking up around it. But I I will say that people have on both sides have have been uneasily working together, but it's just it's clearly not sustainable. So now we've got these encampments. We have people who are are a lot of them unwell. We have people who cannot access services. In my previous uh, episode where I talk about personal responsibility, the whole idea that someone who's mentally ill without an address can like just go to Chipotle and start working with people. That's just, that doesn't make sense. And so this city sometimes for me, as, and, and it's not just Denver, it's like just when I travel around the US, there's these weird, distinctly dystopian vibes for me that these cities have, where there's this extreme wealth and poverty awkwardly coexisting next to each other with frequent, more frequent flashpoints of friction that are coming up over and over again. Because I've lived close to the financial edge before, I am very aware of how easy it is to slip into the type of poverty that is very difficult to get out of. I am so thankful that um, this has not been something that has happened to me. I'm, I'm very blessed. I'm very grateful, but it was for certain moments, very close when I was younger and I was supporting myself and my mom on student loans and Starbucks money. I've talked about this before. I was, I was working at Starbucks part-time and I had student loans and I had messed with my finances, which was my fault. I, I had a lack of knowledge and lack of, of, you know, financial understanding, but really good work ethic, but I, had, I just was messed, messing up my money. And my mom had lost her job and I ended up having to support the two of us. And the amount of stress that caused me and, and 
angst and anxiety for so many years. Like I have PTSD from that. Like I don't state this lightly. So I have a lot of compassion for what is happening for people because I get it. We came close. Now, luckily, I could have gone to my relatives in the Midwest. Like there were options, but they weren't always the best options. And it would have been, I don't know that 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 would have worked out in the long run. So thankfully, things have worked out for myself. However, what's interesting about what's happening in Denver is how I notice people, in particular white people, reacting to the people who are also white, that they see struggling outside in the world. This is very important. This is very important. So statistically, Black women have the highest rate of poverty in the city of Denver and homelessness. So even though we're a fraction of the the um, population, we are our numbers are the highest in terms of homelessness. But visually, you would just never see, you would never know this because the numbers are so minuscule, right? Because white citizens make up such a significant percentage of homeless residents and just citizens of the the city, you see white homelessness on a daily basis, not necessarily within my neighborhood, but like on the edges of my neighborhood. So like, say if I'm on the light rail, I could see clearly unhoused folks who might be on drugs. They're, They're not well. Or mentally ill. That's the, those are the two big ones. Like really mentally ill people who needs care and support, which is part of the reason why we started focusing on services to address that. You could be downtown, and people uh, for a while were really hanging hanging out at Union Station. Now, COVID, quite honestly, really made all of this worse because we weren't going downtown, and so. Because no one was going downtown and because Denverites are never going back to full-time uh, work work from the office, we're just not doing it. Even though I'm completely baffled by where everyone's commuting to, I cannot figure it out because I know the numbers and the, the data. Like We're not working at the rate that we were downtown, but we're definitely um, enjoying the work from home. That's not going to change. So what happened was because the foot traffic changed and the priorities were different during COVID, some of these problems really got worse because no one was down there to see it. Then after COVID, uh, people started, and, and, and I'm not saying COVID's done because I clearly, I'm, I have it right now (laughs) as I record this episode, I have COVID, but quote unquote, as we make our way back into the world and we're going downtown and we're going to the Nuggets and, you know, the Broncos and Avalanche and to the, the theater and to, you know, we have all these things happening, right? And so the friction has gone up with people seeing what they hadn't seen before. In a city that is solidly progressive as Denver is, we do have some unique programming such as the STARS program that was developed and deployed uh, that was developed to really address the the mental health issue um, impacting people out there uh, in our in our city. And what what the goal was was to really lower the number of times we we sent police out to deal with mental health issues. And the stars program has been actually very, very popular, very successful. People love it, and we want to continue to fund that that program because it does so much good. 
There's also uh, the Safe Outdoor Spaces program, which provides much needed stability for participants in the program by providing permanent tents in secured private parking uh, lot areas. So basically there's fencing around the area. There are tents which basically act as people's homes and they're able to just have stability to get back on their feet. Now, I I have a lot of th- I have a lot to say about this program. First, they are doing good work, but for me it snows in Denver. And so on a deep level, it just bothers me that we have people in tents like refugees. Like I just don't like it. Um, I still, I'm still not sure how to reconcile how this program makes me feel. Like I've never been like, hurrah, I love everything about it. Like I just get stuck on the tents, but that's another conversation for another day. There's even a universal basic income program that is currently being tested out. I feel like this is the second or third year. If I'm correct, I think it's a, a private organization that's, that this year might be partnering with the city, but I feel like each year it's been a little different. So when I tell you that as a black woman watching white people struggle and the shocking response to it by community members around me who are supposedly liberal, what those reactions tell me, it tells me everything about why the U.S. is completely unserious about helping folks in need when they're down on their luck. I'm just going to tell you what I've seen and what I've heard has really made me believe this. Um, Here are some of the reactions that I've observed in person or online about poverty in Denver and how people perceive it impacting them. Now, the the other opposite side to this is there's a lot of money in this city. There's a lot of money in this city. And so we have a lot of people coming in and buying properties. If they're able to do that, they've got money or access to funds in some sort of way. We've got people who come here for leisure. And one of the things I notice is for tourists, they're interesting because it's really inconvenient for them to experience homelessness. I'm like, you're from LA. Like, are you serious? It really bothers people if they encounter people who make their experience bad. (laughs) And I'm like, Can you imagine how it feels for them to have people look down on them when they're, you know, they're struggling? Like this is the lowest they are in their life and you're talking down to them in front of their face or recording poverty porn, which I find to be one of the most disgusting and highly problematic things I've seen in travel content, actually. But that's another conversation for another day. Suburban Denverites and folks who don't even live near the city, maybe they visit they're visiting for the first time since COVID and they're shocked to see visible poverty. And I understand that because again, growing up, you didn't really see it. Like we joke that there aren't even bad areas of town. There there are very few bad areas of towns. So I understand to a certain degree, like they're surprised. I'm surprised. I've literally heard though, I've heard people say, well, those people live in filth. Well, Jan, there's no trash services available to you when you live in a tent on the streets. Why don't they get a job? That's a a big one. I already talked about that in the personal responsibility episode. Oh my God, I saw a homeless person doing drugs close to the 16th Street Mall. I often wonder how this is different from the pot or shrooms that these same people who are making these comments have flown to Denver to enjoy before going out clubbing. People are such hypocrites. 
What I'm often left with in observing these interactions is that seeing white poverty on a daily basis for other white people is deeply triggering in a way that candidly black and brown poverty just doesn't seem to be for them. This is more triggering. And I think it's because it feels personal, right? Because they are seeing the face of poverty that could be them. It looks like them. And it's just not black or brown. So when there were times where you would just see lots of black or brown people here impoverished or struggling. No one said anything. Like no one really, they were just like, whatever. Like you, you just never would hear these comments, which is so strange to me. Like they might say something offhand, but it was expected because of those people. Right. But the difference for me is that people are kind of really cruel because it's almost like if that could happen to them, Maybe that means it could happen to me and people are trying to really distance themselves from that reality. On a more personal note, it's very unnerving to wonder if I'm going to be in an interaction with an unhoused person who assumes that I may be doing better than them and not like that because I'm black. Will I be attacked? More often than not, quite honestly, I'm just asked for money and so far, so far, people have been super chill about it. But there was also the one morning I was taking the light rail and I had to literally cuss this guy out because he kept following me, following me around and rapping. But the rapping made no sense because he was stoned out of it. He was like, I'm pretty sure he was on meth. He was like, he, he was not well. And it was very scary. I have no idea what he was saying. And I was just like, you need to get away from me. I try to interact with everyone in the same way, but there's always a level of situational awareness that you just have to have in those moments. I personally do not believe that the mayors of U.S. cities have the resources to deal with the poverty problem that is happening in our towns. I don't care if they're Republican. I don't care if they're independent. I don't care if they're Democrat. I don't care what they are. They do not have the resources for this. This is beyond them. This is too much. I am now of the belief that we need national anti-poverty mandates similar to what other countries have done, such as Finland. Finland is the one country that I focus on now because to me, it's very straightforward. Housing first, no tents. They put people in housing. Why? Because it snows there. This year, I recorded a podcast episode called Experiencing American Poverty During Travels is basically the title. And I shared how traumatic I found my most recent trip to LA. Now, I've visited LA many times. I have a love-hate relationship with this, that city. I love the food. I hate how superficial people can be. I love, I love you know, Santa Monica. There's just so many things I love about it, but there are things I don't like. But um, it was hard being there the last time because it was so, so overwhelming. Um, it was just overwhelming. So it's not just De Denver dealing with this. While I'm glad that Denver Denverites haven't gotten to the point where we're used to dealing with what we're seeing, I'm afraid that there will be a point where we'll just throw up our hands and just give up because we're overwhelmed and we don't have the resources to manage this. Because think about it. If Tampa gets this right, right? Like if the city of Tampa is dealing with homelessness, for example, and they get it right, doesn't it make sense that people are going to go to Tampa to get to access the resources and likely inundate the resources that Tampa has? And so then it's still like chicken before the egg. 
this is why I'm saying there has to be a national mandate. Nationally, we we have to say that we cannot accept this for people. But what I'm left with is that if white people, white liberals are this uncomfortable with white poverty, and by the way, Democrats, I'm going to put you on notice because you guys are a big part of the problem with the funding that you're doing towards policing instead of funding to help people. But that's a whole nother podcast episode. If liberals are this uncomfortable with white poverty, what does this mean for the rest of us from a policy perspective? If progressives in a progressive city are this angsty around it, that's that's a that's something to think about. If the answer to the question is always, as long as it's not me, then people are in for a rude awakening. It's going to be inc- incredibly difficult to design significant and impactful policy that matters with the piecemeal approach we've been using in the United States of America. We are completely unserious about taking care of the homeless problem. I'm 100% convinced of this at this point, and nothing's going to change my mind now. By the way, I don't feel badly for what I have. I have worked my ass off, okay? I've had some lucky breaks because honestly, people are like, I just did it all by, you know, working hard. No, that's bullshit. Like sometimes it's just luck, right? So I had some good luck mixed with bad luck. (laughs) I was able to access good resources. I have a wonderful family. Uh, They might drive me crazy, but I know that my family has my back. And so I've been very blessed. There is a weird discomfort that might be cloaked in classism and my own personal financial tropes that I've grown up with, such as all white people have money or that white people have access to what I don't. But sometimes I ask myself the following, if a system that has been designed to benefit white people has failed them and clearly is failing them, what does it mean for the rest of us? And this is a broader conversation around policy and voting and so many other things, but I'm just going to leave this with this conversation in your lap right here. And I am very interested to hear what your thoughts are.